You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Hey, what's up, everyone? I'm Matt Migaki, the vocalist of Cryptopsy and the host of the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast, where I sit down with fellow metal musicians. We talk all about their lives and music while sharing killer craft beers. If you've ever wanted to sneak backstage and share a beer with one of your favorite musicians, well, Vox and Hops is the podcast for you. This week on the podcast, I had an amazing conversation with Morgan Lander and S.J. Jones about Kitty Pig. There is this episode and over 450 other ones to help you enjoy life, metal, and craft beer. So what are you waiting for? It's time to become a Vox and Hops head. Cheers! Making Waves Welcome, everyone, to Making Waves. This is episode 27 um, tonight. My name is Justin. I'm along with my co-host here, Chad. Hello. Hey, hey Chad. Uh, very special presentation today, guys, because we have someone all the way from, uh, well, he's in Helsinki right now, but from Sweden, uh, Johannes from the band Avatar. Welcome, Johannes. Thank you for joining us today on Making Waves. Well, thank you for thank you for having me. And that was the yeah. most biggest applaud i've gotten in a while <laughs> yeah, i was gonna make it a full round you know but i know that nobody else would see us it's just vocal, well, so I, I didn't want to make it didn't want to embarrass myself too much here well i think that's a good lead into what we should first talk about here you guys have had exciting well last week and going into this week with uh, with you guys in this very high uh quality production of avatar ages mm-hmm. um the impossible concert experience uh, a four-parter um in, in, as we as we speak and i think so far you've done uh, dreams and illusions yeah and that means mm-hmm. oh i named these oh yeah we got madness coming up and uh, Mad- madness on saturday end up with yeah exactly and then after that we got memories yeah um this kind of coincides with you guys is i think your vision of the band and how the the whole packaging and branding of the band is like you guys are very into um, the visual aspects as, 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 as uh, to, to kind of go along and marriage with the music, but mm. this isn't your first foray into doing something this big. I mean, you guys did the, uh, the legends of avatar country. Yeah. It's almost like an hour long film over the album. Mm. Uh, is this always been something that you guys start out with this? Your vision was going to be like, we're going to, we're going to tie this in and, and make this band almost conceptual. No, like that is something that grew over time because we are one of those bands where most of us have played together since we were teenagers. So there was no grand, well, there was a grand vision in the beginning of I'm going to learn how to play guitar, you know, and there's the grand vision that we're going to write a song. Uh, so you can't say that it was anything there since day one, because we discovered anything and everything within the band. But uh, that being said over time, we have learned about ourselves and have nurtured that side of ourselves that is really into the theatrics. And we started because, you know, at some point being those teenagers in a band, you realize that, oh, maybe you're supposed to look like something. Oh, it's called an image. Ah, we need an image. Okay, so let's wear the same clothes I wore to school yesterday, but stand in a graveyard. All right. <laughs> You know, is this an image? I don't know. You know, and you're, you're a kid, whatever. 
Um, so, and we never quite nailed getting an image. You know, at, yeah, at some point we all bought black shirts and, uh, and that felt radical. Uh, it wasn't until we stopped thinking about image and laid a focus on treating it, anything visual that comes to, in regards to the band to treat it as art. So, and when we realized that anything visual you can do, like is all about answering the question, what does our music look like? Which is a pretty damn abstract question until you look at successful examples of that. And the extremes are always Kiss or Rammstein, Slipknot, Alice Cooper, whatever, you know, but we, it's also true for, I don't know, Green Day. It's also true for uh, Foo Fighters, like Foo Fighters kind of sound like plaid shirts, jeans and t-shirts, having a good time with the lads. And uh, that's what they look like. Holy cow, you know? So it's, it's a question that's hard, very hard to answer when you're a young yeah. kid, and, but it grew over time. Yeah. So yeah, no, short answer, no, it wasn't always with us, but it grew to become a big part of why we like being in a band. Well, I was going to mention as like the bands you mentioned, Alice Cooper and Kiss and Rammstein and Slipknot, mm. they they are you guys kind of following those footsteps. Like uh, the, the music is never the presentation doesn't override the quality of the music. Mm. It's just another component to it. So mm. it's not like you guys are just some visual band and the music's kind of throwaway. What you guys do is very intricate, um, very you know it's 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 got a lot of components going on. There's definitely kind of genres rolling into one. Uh, but I think uh, that's more musical talk. So I'd rather have a musician like Chad talk to you about that. Hey, man. I, uh, we've toured together uh, during my years in, in Wilson. Um, and I've seen oh, yeah. it firsthand on stage uh, on the road. I've seen it on the boat. I've seen it overseas. Um, and I'm, when I think about the times that I've been in a room with you guys, both on and off stage, I never really got a. Ch it wasn't really. I think until the ship, maybe uh, that we did the first one we did together, that I realized that you guys just weren't in a stamp of that image. You know, like the idea of like because you 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 went on the road, it never changed. It felt like when you came inside of the room, mm. that version of what we saw on stage was consistently there. Do you find yourself um, like for us in the back, in, you know, in the background watching what's going on? It's like these guys never break character. So there's a part <laughs> of us thinking like. Fuck, man, maybe this is just what what happens in, in, in Sweden, you know, like uh, maybe the, these people are just always like this. This is just they're not going to they're not going to give up the ghost, you know. But do you find yourself having a hard time? I know that we're talking to you right now in Helsinki while you're uh, coming out of a delicious sauna. So you're clearly having your, a break away from uh, what is Avatar. But when you're yeah. on the road, for instance, do you find yourself having a hard time breaking away from the art that is your band and just being yourself? Uh, do you find it harder to do that, I should say? Well, I ended up in a similar discussion in, a, in another interview, I guess, last week. And I, uh, cheesy, as cheesy as it is, quoted um, Bruce Banner in the first Avengers movie, like, that's my secret. I'm always angry. Uh, <laughs> there isn't a character to get into and to get out of as far as I can tell, ask my wife, ask friends, ask people, yeah, they say, yeah, I change before I go on stage, we change. But for me, it's more, uh, 
focus shift, you know, or kind of just change mindset. But it's as it's not a character, it's not a persona as much as, you know, if you go if you go out clubbing with the girls, dancing all night on a Saturday, uh, you behave in a different way than you do when you go and have dinner or tea with grandma on Sunday. If, however, both those sides of you are equally valid and real and part of who you are. And that is kind of how I view what we do. So it, uh, it's not, there's nothing invented about it. And I think that is why it's so also easy to tap into because yeah. it's, it's always there. It was never, it was, it, there, there, there were, there, there is, there was no paper version of this that then was yeah. applied into reality. This was just something that came out of thin air because it was always present. So that I think is why we can give this impression of being oh, oh, that we were always those guys backstage or, you know, it, wherever it's just because it is who we are. Then it's yeah. just the, you know, the spinal tap thing of uh, dialing <laughs> it up to 11 or yeah. pro wrestler thing maybe, but you know, like yeah. the greatest personas are still, you know, just dial up versions of who they were. Ric Flair or Steve Austin, you know, uh, my, my favorite version of that is Andy Kaufman. Um, mm-hmm. it, it, but that's more or less the mystique and the mystery of it. And I think that you hold true to that. I, and I even think about it this way when I'm thinking about avatars, like I know what you're doing in a, in a sense, I know that you're taking a snapshot of not just the way you physically look, but your artistic integrity and what you're trying to create. Um, mm-hmm. you seem to, to be in that moment because you're an, a true artist the entire time, but I watch your visuals and I've always like, I've always praised them. I see the time, the work and at least thought process that's going into it. It's, it's evident in this live stream series that you're doing. It's not just a regular live stream. There's, there's cuts and pieces and there's different jarring imagery going on in the background, as well as you're, we're moving from one cadence to another cadence into mm-hmm. ultimately a story. And if you could, I guess maybe like, one, one of the questions I've always asked is, what is the true story? Or is it just an album is, is a book in a series? Uh, how, do you, how do you view Avatar's um, career thus far? In terms of... You, you do, you, you encapsulate like the idea, when I see like, for instance, Hail the Apocalypse version yeah. of, uh, of Avatar, and then I see, you know, the next version, uh, which would be uh, Avatar Country, and I'm watching all the imagery that goes along with that. It's all part of a theme inside of the record. But do you see each record as a separate, like Harry Potter has different books. Uh, I mean, I saw parts. Yeah, no. Yeah. Well, yes. Yeah, I guess so, but not in um deliberate kind of way. It's it's just that is what happens to any band who, you know, write and creates, uh, you know, if you write your own stuff and you write from the heart, and uh, which is the case with 99% of all the metal bands, uh, I would say, you know, we don't, we don't hire help for our songwriting, which means they all become snapshots on whatever was going on in our minds. So there's that foundation in the songs just, how the riffs sound and you're just your choice of words, whether you try to be, no matter what you, you try to do with your songs, that all comes from whatever goes on in your life, you know? And in that sense, yeah, it's our life's story. Uh, every other year a new album comes out and kind of uh, it's an accumulation of whatever has been going on 
or parts at least of what's been going on in our lives up until that point alongside which simply yes just being full you being built around what our muse whatever whatever the spirits whispers in our sleep that we were meant to do at that time be it as hey a concept album sounds really hard and complicated to make you don't have to make one no i have no idea cool okay let's try why should we do a fable okay and start from there this is this is a challenge now or hey this inside joke uh, with jonas being a king that's kind of funny yeah i said avatar country once on stage that's pretty cool yeah all right um i like listening to man war before every show we have done this year yeah me too hmm oh avatar can okay i guess that's what we're doing yeah we were supposed to do this thing no no but we have this is what i can only think about this now me too okay that's happening and it kind of just you we go with the flow of the creative uh, impulses i guess and as such there's no deliberate plan that because we did this we need to do that now albeit that happens kind of i guess by itself because you know if you had a lot of pizza you want some ice cream and uh, <laughs> that is definitely like avatar country was this attempt to you know like among a lot of other things it was us having fun but also trying to trying to be funny trying to do some form of comedy in a in a metal form and uh, maybe a lot of this is very insular very between five guys uh smelling their own farts and <laughs> you know just that the idea that we are do that the the songs weren't really joke songs but the great joke behind it being that it all are about a king and the king is fucking jonas and <laughs> and jonas starting doing it because you know named himself the king on facebook as a middle name to annoy his friends and it worked until it got funny and then he started to gift us framed signed photos of himself and you know and all these things but uh, that makes sense to us but as we did that then of course there's this then you are more likely and more inclined to do the next thing like okay i didn't get to deal with a lot of dark shits artistically in the last two years because we did avatar country that's all coming out now yeah so it's bound to happen in a certain way but no no deliberate plan no you know i don't know what will happen in our year seven on hogwarts you know that is <laughs> shrouded in mystery because it will just be a reflection of our lives and what happens in general the the what i just took away from that is very more kaufman-esque than i was expecting to to get so it, I, i'm like super jazzed ab about the idea uh, as a dude in a band right smelling my mm. my band's farts yeah you know i can i can think about us naming a record full blast fuckery uh, out of sheer like i you know it just sounded like a song we had a 30 second song uh mm. on a record and we're like what does it sound like we told somebody and like uh it sounds like full blast fuckery and then it we just stopped never stop saying it right and from mm. there on our whole entirety we could do whatever we whatever we wanted but everybody <laughs> would still be like that's the fuckery band you know and you kind of get a stamp of some sort of approval and for me like mm. hearing your story about <laughs> that record in particular and it being almost like a trolling uh hilarity behind it all from a friendship circle that ex yeah. uh, uh, exemplified itself into a mash uh, not just a national but a worldwide known uh piece of imagery it's in mm. itself is the most 
uh, incredibly dope form of art that I think that there is because there's nothing more true and unabashed than that. And now you, you get to move on to whatever it is. And even that, I feel like, I'm sorry to interrupt, but I feel like that's even a version of trolling the last version of yourself. And if I can be so bold, uh, the darkness that you're about to go into, how do you feel about it? Do you, do you, I'm asking you, like, how do you feel knowing that in the back of your, your mind, everything, every step that you take forward, uh, there's this behind you is this inside joke that you've spent two years of your life essentially uh, putting out a pedestal. It's, I guess, it's first and foremost, I guess it's neither good nor bad. It's just, well, it's part of something good because it's part of the same, it's, ultimately in a way like probably the most punk rock thing we have done in terms of just fucking with people's expectations and just you know we are in that way kind of demanding of our fans in a way i guess like okay we're gonna do what we feel like doing and this is the ride we're on now you thought you were going to be in a carousel but it's a roller coaster if that was a roller coaster oh no it's the it's the one it's, i don't know the splashy rides with water whatever it's called um Splash Mountain. <laughs> yeah, there we go. Uh, the one in Gothmer is called Flume Ride. Uh, mm-hmm. But I don't know if that would be an international term. Uh, no, we have a lot know, of flumes here, yeah. Oh, yeah, that's okay, cool. Uh, so, yeah, so, you know, so, and then they, they have to come on board, and it can be sometimes, I guess, kind of jarring what will come next for us, because whatever we do, we now I think, because... Hunter Gatherer is not a concept album, but we treat things in a very concept- conceptual manner nowadays, I guess, because we simply got very, very good at thinking big picture and thinking mm-hmm. intention due to having worked with concept albums in the past. And it's just, it's, yeah, it's so different. Yeah, it's, it was a comedy. Yeah, it's, you know, steps away from stuff, but ultimately it's perfectly in line with our mission statement as a band. Uh, it's so it's still a middle finger to anyone else's idea and expectations of what we are supposed to do and then and once it's out there it's uh, something we pull off with so much passion for what we're doing and just a big bucket of love and respect for the people who go on the ride with us and that is the exact same thing if we want to talk about songs that deal with the best of times as the songs that deal with the worst of times as we now did an album about that asked way heavier questions i guess about what it means to be a human right now and and you know, trying to understand the kind of world we live in where whoops suddenly fear factory was totally right and here i sit in this cyberpunk dystopia uh that um yeah that we were warned about in all of those books movies and albums of the 80s and 90s you know it's robocop out there what what, what happened mm-hmm. and yeah and that is also a sincere trip that now we are dedicating ourselves to wholeheartedly and again with a big bucket of love and respect for the people who are willing to go on that ride with us yeah. Well, speaking of ride with Hunter Gatherer, you guys kind of came out of the box with Silence in the Age of Apes, which is a big, huge bunch of Swedish metal wallop 
That song is really <laughs> aggressive, and I, yeah. I mean, there's no fairy tale behind that thing. It just comes right through it. Was that the intention? Yeah. Was to get a song out that was going to hit people really hard quickly? Yeah, I think there's always it's always good to let the first thing people hear be, you know, a very clear statement of uh, of what's going to happen. I think every band feels it. It's very hard to find that one song that defines an album. I mean. Does Thriller sound like human nature or like Beat It or like Thriller? You know, it's uh, it's, it's hard to find that one song, even if it's even if it's not Thriller, uh, that defines it all. But th- this that's one of those songs that really show the intention. I feel like this is a more a more a way more aggressive album. This is a way more this is a way darker album. This is. A lot of things like that, you know. This yeah. is something more violent and sinister. So, and and then of course are peaks and valleys and uh, a wider emotional range on the album at large. But uh, I get the biggest distinction that this the thing that distinguishes this album the most, Hunter Gatherer the most compared to what came just before is the aggression and is the darkness. Um, you did mention the word violent, and that's a great description of that song, but it never lost its groove. Yeah, uh, thank you. Uh, I think, one, because we started doing very aggressive music, and also the kind of covers we played, going back to us being the t- those teenagers learning how to play, was all about the aggressive stuff. You know, The Haunted is the most important influence on this band, will always be, it's up there, like, if you know we listen to a lot of stuff we love a lot of stuff and there are then there's those tiny click up bands that we collectively loved and tried to figure out what are they doing when we learn to play and the one we did that the most with prob- was probably the haunted and so those that aggression was always there in the beginning but the difference a big difference is, that made it very interesting and cool to do it as a 30 something year old compared to um you know, someone in your late teens and early twenties is that if you would compare our early stuff, they to to our, like a horror movie or and a horror movie character, the earlier stuff of Avatar would be someone who would bash your skull in with a hammer. Uh, it's it's there's not so much precision. It's a bit messy. But it's also quite spectacular, and it's it, it does give result eventually. Then, when doing, you know, then you live a decade more, and then you do the aggressive stuff, more aggressive stuff again. Then that horror movie killer has turned into more of a Hannibal Lecter style person. It's someone with a bit more expertise and precision. I feel someone who knows his way uh, with us to how to use a scalpel. And with one cut, cut and stab can do maximum damage. So you got, I think that is a very different vibe here. And also doing, you know, letting your rage out, but at the same time, artistically, there's a weird sense of accountability on this one that to me makes it, is a different kind of heavy because I try to be as little, have as little delusion as possible in, in what is being said with that kind of anger. Because again, when you write an aggressive song when you're 17, you can talk about everyone in the grown up world being wrong. 
assuming you are always right or you can have fun trying to be as brutal as possible but not really maybe over you don't have to think too much about what those words actually mean to you or to someone and now again it's a more it's more dangerous in a way now it, does that make sense at all no it actually does it does because <laughs> i mean i think when you're kids and you're playing aggressive music i think that's just the arrogance of youth you know, I, I'm a. I'm, what do adults know? It's it's the us against them. As you which get makes older, up for some of the best music in the world. That arrogance absolutely. is so important. And yep. but it's just that when bands, I think one of the reasons why many times we romanticize the first handful of albums in a band's catalog are those bands that then, what, whichever way they made something work in the beginning, they try to keep that thing going for way too long. Mm -hmm. And I think in order to do keep doing something that is, you know, first and foremost, good, really good, but also then somewhat relevant at the very least to yourself, uh, you have to dare to evolve and, you know, go on that trip with your music because you can't, you, you must, you cannot, yeah, that sledgehammer to the face, I guess is the only way if you have an injury like that, then maybe you can stay in the same mindset album after album after album. Yeah. But if, if you have the exact same thing to say five or 10 albums into your career, um, I feel like you've been lying to us this whole time. Yeah, there are very few exceptions. I mean, Slayer, you can take Slayer's Haunting the Chapel and then listen to God Hates Them All. There's a 25 year span, but the violence is still there. It's just very refined. Yeah, exactly. And yeah, uh, yeah. and that works really well. But, you know, they mm -hmm. did try a bunch of stuff. Along oh, they the ventured. Way. They ventured and realized yeah. that's you stay in your lane. That was stay yeah, in your but, lane, but it's also but still stuff happened along. I, I yeah. think. But also in their case, I think it's like Cannibal Corpse, for instance, also number one, there are more changes and more development there than we give credit to those bands, sure. too, in my opinion. Uh, the, but then also, second, I guess in both those cases, it's rooted kind of in, it's it's a genre of its own, a genre of entertainment where, you know, like it's horror stories. Mm -hmm. So it comes with a specific structures. And to be perfectly honest, yes, God Hates Us All. I, I really love that album. Disciple is one of those, that's, one of those songs that stayed with us forever, like in, in the pre-show playlist in the dressing room, you know? But isn't it also true that we listen to early Slayer a tiny bit more than we did to later Slayer. Oh, absolutely. You can't get past Rain and Blood. And, uh, exactly. And I I am a huge Denon Townsend fan. Mm -hmm. And there, I, he, does, he has an approach that is incredibly inspiring to me. Specifically this, that I feel like his approach, his reasons to make music are constantly redefined and rediscovered. And he has... It's an ongoing debate that he seems to have with himself that really puts the intention of why should I do this thing right now comes into the forefront. So there's a very distinct difference between that 19-year-old kid that got signed to sing with Steve Vai to those solo debut things and a strapping young lad. Yeah. And just what he does now was he is in his, I think, yeah, he's in his late 40s. And it's all... It's such a trick to be a part of as a fan 
because there's so much discovery, so much development, and so much sincerity that ke- and it keeps he keeps feeding that because he never ever bought into the thing of oh oh this thing became particularly popular now so now you know now I have to stunt my growth to keep this thing going yeah. I think artists like everyone from Stephen Wilson to Opeth run into that. Oh, same yeah, yeah, thing. yeah, yeah. Two ex- great examples of that. Oh, yeah. 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 Now, Stephen Wilson was almost like some like pop music. <laughs> relative, now, relative yeah, the new, on the last album. the new stuff's very <laughs> dancey and people, you know, as longtime fans, I'm like, if if you're a fan, you're going to take the journey. That's a simple. Don't be a pedestrian here. Yeah. Be, don't be a tourist. Be a fan. And also, like, he also has a podcast with, some, with a friend now whose name escapes me, but where they did... You know, they talk about album years and uh, just do deep cuts on whatever mm. albums they like from those years that aren't the obvious picks. But then again, then you go back, what the music that they talk about from the 70s and 80s, the new wave and everything on top of the prog that he would be most known for in the beginning of his career, makes perfect sense what he's doing now. Yeah. If you pay some attention, same with Opeth. Yeah, the argument there you know, we, for most people. I'm sorry. I just want to no, finish no, no, this no. one thought. We've just like, been talking. To, sorry, we've just been talking about this, uh, all these different bands, but I don't think we've ever really leaned into like what you guys were, you mentioned what you were covering when you guys first started being a band. Yeah, and the aggression mm-hmm. of those of those acts, and we were we had the um, some other sh- some ship rockers actually do the the podcast uh, the Swedes um, here, and we had uh, we would ask them some. No, you know, some of their guys, early yeah. influences. What, yeah, yeah, exactly. We yeah. asked them, you know, what 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 do they like around? What like what what did they lean into outside of uh, you know, what Western mu- music over here in the states? Because everything that they kept kept um, naming all kind of felt like it came from you know the Americas or something. But there's such a huge, rich history of music uh, that has defined what happens here in uh, mm-hmm. the U.S. for many many years. And I was just wondering, what did you guys kind of cut your teeth on? as a band in those aggressive years learning how to play your instruments and were any of those acts f- from your hometown or, yes. or surrounding areas there was a like i said the haunted uh, of course that's yeah. uh, um uh, yes the whole swedish west coast thing played a huge influence on us and the haunted in flames the haunted then because we were just a few years too young to really at the time right away know at the gates so for us it was the hunter made me do it and like oh they were in a band called at the gates so then oh wow okay cool and then and i said in place and then we had a dark tranquility of course and then you venture just a tiny bit south i guess a two and a half hour car ride and then you got soil work and then yeah then you're gonna have to hike up in northern sweden but you got meshuga there that was important you know that was we tried to cover a song by them um then how'd it go what else? oh well for jonas and john really well john also <laughs> at the john at that time had a beef with another drummer kid who also practiced all summer you know they had um, a teenage beef and he heard in school in high school from i guess jones something like we're covering a uh, future breed machine. It's like, that's impossible. No one can, yeah. John can't possibly play that. And yeah, he can. And uh, <laughs> one day he showed up at the rehearsal. Okay, show me. And John showed me. And he said, all right. And then he left. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> and John won that war, I guess, ultimately. Yeah. Uh, but That's great. So, but so it was, you know, those Gothenburg dudes, and then well, we covered Maiden and uh, and Cannibal Corpse and Slayer and Cryptopsy and. Did I say Halloween? Because Halloween was definitely there as well. So, because all in all, you know, if you're born in the mid 80s, Swedish metal, the kind of stuff that was going on when you discovered heavy music, like when we were, when I was, I started to really, you know, stop cutting my hair, well, I guess when I was 12 or 14, whatever, but got into heavy music when I was 12. And that is then Black Sabbath has you reunited. And so they kind of, come back up on the radar, I guess, for for us kids. At the same time as in Europe, you had this huge revival spearheaded by Hammerfall getting really popular, which kind of shone a light on all those German power metal bands. You know, they pull them up with them as well. And that, that is where I got started. Blind Guardian, Halloween, um, Gamma Ray, and, you know, uh, what are they called? All of those. And, and at the same time the Gothenburg death metal stuff the melodic death metal stuff the late 90s early 2000s and kind of picked that side and then it took me a couple of years to understand that the new metal or whatever you want to call it was all right too I was very hesitant now I love Slipknot now I love System of a Down at the time there you kind of had to there was a thing when I was 15 where no, no, no. You either listen to music that came out this year or 20 years ago, you know, pick a side. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. But I remember, uh, I remember that clearly too. Yeah, when the, I was those bands you mentioned, a system and Slipknot would not exist without the Gothenburg sound. Uh, that, totally. that, that, that is a sign of quality uh, coming from that area. And you guys being from there, obviously it's such a rich history of bands from Entombed to In Flames that you mentioned. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, but you guys are kind of redefining what it is to be from that sound. I mean, you still keep the the, the melodic death metal aspect, but you're also bringing yeah. in all these other pieces of almost like the Norwegian death metal stuff with the orchestral pieces and, mm. and things like that. So, Yeah, I think like we, because we, it's kind of started there where a certain <clears throat> way of, thinking of riffs and a certain thing that Swedish bands in general seems to, we all share in one way or another that, you know, putting a melodic thinking into the forefront uh, that we carry with us. But at the same time, it was cool and inspiring and helpful in the beginning, like in the early, early days to feel like, oh, you can be from our town and totally make it because they did. And you are 16 and you play covers of them, but then suddenly you start to want to build your own identity. And for a while there, we were kind of fed up of being like the little brother generation of In Flames and all the other guys. Because then we were desperately seeking our own thing and whatever we felt was our own thing that we had going. We still felt that whatever the fan scene still asked me about In Flames. And it was like, fuck you. <laughs> we were... Yeah then you know you could come full circle and embrace it and now it's just gratitude but i think so the melodic thinking and just the simple thing of being death being huge death metal fans who learn to play by playing death metal covers but at the same time then not necessarily writing death metal songs but it's kind of part of you that i guess gives us that some kind of vibe that would align a bit with 
melodic death metal. But then at the same time, another, then we realized some stuff that music teachers have talked about, about grooving, being in the pocket. What does, you, know, you don't really know what that means when you try to shred your ass off for the first couple of years of your existence as a musician. But then suddenly like, hey, we have stood in this rehearsal room for a lot of years together now. And then you start to really listen how the bass player and the drummer have learned to play together, which means that without thinking, just that he hits the bass so it really feels like it's being sucked straight into the bass drum. And they lock in and you just start to hear that in the performance of it, you get it for free because you've been rehearsing like a crazy man, five crazy kids and with the lights out mind you, so you cannot look at the neck of the guitar because then that would be cheating because then you can't headbang while playing if you keep looking at the guitar while you rehearse. So you stand in the dark and you stand there for so long. Thing? So hold on, wait, I'm sorry to interrupt, yeah. but is this a fucking thing? Is this a yeah, that's a like, thing I, with I, it. I, <laughs> and I heard a podcast where Mikkel Åkefeldt told me, uh, told me, told us listeners that Opeth also did that back in the day, in the early days. So, okay. uh, but we did it. Play, play with blind. Pay, so you play in the dark to kind of just learn the. Yeah, and also okay. what we also would do is, you know, we figure out what's the tenth of the song. Then John would plug in, uh, you know. Uh, uh, a metronome and we would go to that we would play in 10 steps from half tempo to full tempo over and over every song in the dark in the dark and uh, <laughs> for a singer it just made me very very drowsy yeah. <laughs> but uh, for the other guys brilliant and then there was absolutely no oxygen in there we were called we were dubbed the underwear rockers rockarna, by a uh, guys from the neighboring rehearse rooms because we would come out on breaks like <gasps> everyone undressed just in our underwear <laughs> i love all of this like i can i can literally in my mind i can see the like the internal pressure going on between you between all of you it's like no motherfucker you're taking your, you're taking your fucking pants off and the lights are coming off and we're gonna get weird with it and if you don't do it you're uh, yeah, a pussy just, or whatever the version is well it sounds well, like a, the, the thing is we are also swedish so there was no pressure no but also no discomfort about the idea of getting undressed in front of each other yeah that's <laughs> you guys yeah. on the other side of the pond yeah. and it, you're all weird none of you have seen your dad naked not me. Do, I've I, seen that dude naked all the time. So. Yeah, absolutely. That's, that's a good <laughs> it's thing. Funny it's funny because in general, it like I do a... surveys. I do surveys when and it's kind of, I don't know, a rite of passage uh, when some there's a new dude in the crew, for instance, and especially yeah. if they're American. Like I <laughs> ask them uncomfortable <laughs> questions such as, have you seen your dad naked? Yeah, have you got full dad dick? That? You know what I'm yeah. <laughs> hey, uh, it's just it's weird good. to not, never have seen the ball sack from which you once came. It's just weird to me if you hadn't. I agree. I'm not in a hurry to go see my mom's vagina, but I'll look at my dad's balls. No problem. Yeah, but I also see my mom naked. You know, like, oh, yeah, of course. But I don't need to do a deep dive. No, (laughs) I didn't. But that's another thing. Again, like if, if, if anyone involved are enjoying themselves in a weird way, then it's weird. Sure. Yeah. But just like if you're looking at dad's is, dick and you got a full on erect child dick, then it's going to get a little weird, right? Then it gets weird, you know, but yeah. that's vice versa. Th- yeah, that tends to not be the thing that happens in healthy family relationships. Yeah. But if you 
if you own or rent a cabin and there's a lake there and it's summer and you jump in after having around, you know, who gives a shit? You're the same family. You are all a bucket of the same DNA that has been yep. swirling around, you know? Yeah. Hey, um, other than music, when you're growing up, were there books or movies that kind of influenced your creativity or your artistry? Oh yeah. Probably I have to think for a moment, but, um, Try to remember which books from back in the day would have even done. even ones that are recent. Well, recent for Hunter Gatherer was very important. The book *Sapiens* by Yuval Noah Harari. Uh, I recommend that all the time now to people. It's a brief his, history of humankind. I think it's the like subtitle of that uh, book. He's a historian, and he has I was gonna say. Okay. through how everything is. How everything's connected, man. And I might just you you really messes with your perspective of what you think thought happened historically. And not in a, you know, aliens built the pyramids and uh, and Tarzan was a moose or whatever. Not that stuff, but more like simple thing is we became agricultural because we uh you know, we, we think it's kind of, we tamed the wheat, but the wheat tamed us. What happened is we were hunter-gatherers, title, album title kind of comes from here. You know, uh, we, we were gathering stuff and we carried it home to camp and we dropped some seeds in the, on the way. And uh, over, over the years, then suddenly there's some couple, some wheat a bit closer to camp next season. And we start dropping more seeds as we pick them up and we start to understand something. And maybe if I'd make a hole and put some seeds there, Oh, look, it grows. And, so, and suddenly the wheat by starting to grow closer and closer to home, we finally figure it out and we start to plow up the fields and everything. But it's kind of the wheat had the initiative rather than the humans with that. And we became agricultural. And the fascinating part with that is that it was, of course, awesome for, the, for us as a species. But it was kind of an awful thing for us on an individual level. Because ultimately, agriculture, becoming farmers, we were able to feed more. We start, you know, and we multiply, which is, you know, we are like the flowers and the bees and everyone else. We, that's what we strive to do as a species. But as an individual, suddenly we have arthritis because instead of climbing trees and uh, looking for fruit and berries and resting bears and looking like MMA fighters, all of us, Suddenly we bent over the fields to pick up the rocks so we can grow more stuff. And, you know, we destroy our backs. We get a, a, you know, disc hernias and arthritis in our knees. And we suddenly we need to store stuff for winter. And then we need a guard because someone can steal that. Oh, suddenly we care about the territory that we, we need to build that wall suddenly. And, uh, and we also need to have more kids because we need more people to work the field and we can't breastfeed them for that long anymore. No, we can make them wheat porridge. Oh, they malnourished, they die. Oh, let's make another one. Oh, half child mortality goes up, war goes up, sickness. We live closer together. We sneeze in each other's mouths, you know, uh, and no one wore masks back then either. So we, <laughs> all of this terrible on an individual level, uh, then but fantastic for us as a species. And fast forward, we do it again with the industrial revolution and every step out of the way, like, wow, now we have machines that feed us and clothe us. Now we're real efficient. Yeah, but you remember how we, you know, how a work day in the Stone Age was go get that apple. <laughs> and then it was go grow that apple and that made things more complicated. And now it's, now it's, I don't know, now you're in that 
factory and oh children can work in that factory too oh you don't need to see the sun oh you can live in london under that thick blanket of smog and uh you get stone lung and yeah we, yeah we need you down in the mines now by the way to keep this machine going and we work longer and longer hours and it's just in the last hundred years or so post world war two or maybe one i don't remember where he where he Harari would draw the line, but it's, you know, fairly recent that we suddenly are increasing quality of life on an individual level in a widespread way on earth. That is super recent. Uh, now the problem is that we're doing it in a way where we are making it impossible to live on this planet for ourselves. So, uh, so we need to figure that one out. And Hunter Gatherer, the album is very much, again, we are biologically that weed dropping MMA fit dude and dudettes in the woods. And then we now, but now we sit on Zoom. What the fuck is going on? And what's next? And it seems we are in that fork in the road. Is it going to be Star Trek or Mad Max? And we have a choice, but it's, we have to hurry and we have to outrun ourselves in this. Sounds like are you uh, Star Trek or Mad Max. I was going to say, I, I prefer watching Mad Max, but if I get to choose a future to live in, I like the one where we have solved everything and go out in space and help other uh, creatures from other planets solve their shit. That is yeah. the future that I, I like to boldly go where no one's gone before. Then I am more entertained by Mad Max. Totally. All right. Well, sorry, speaking Justin, of Mad Max, no, I was going to say, speaking of Mad Max, let's talk about Avatar and their participation in Shiprocked. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Let's. Uh, one of the moments that stands out for me, uh, other than you guys doing your performances, is when you were with Kenny and Johnny and you did uh, Typo Negative Black Number One. Yes. Uh, and I can... obviously, anyone that sees you or hears you, obviously, Peter Steele has probably been an influence in your life. Yes, definitely. Yeah, that, that predates Speaking of dad Avatar. dicks. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> He's the dad dick we all uh, aspire <laughs> to growing up. Yeah, <laughs> and aspire to be. Uh, he, uh, yes, big influence, especially, you know, getting into heavy music and also voice changing with puberty and realize, oh, I do not quite sound like the falsettos that I'm such a fan of. And now I have a fairly wide range, but that's not where I sit naturally. And to then hear that you could do heavy music, be super cool, but sound like this, was uh, very inspiring. And yeah. to this day, I'm a big Taiko fan. And yeah, playing with them. Uh, they haven't played Taiko negative stuff for 10 years when that happens. Yeah, uh, It's hard to that is one of those things like if i would have told myself when i was a yeah. kid and i'm sitting I, the friend uh, that i would hang with who also his name is also johannes and his family had a season's tickets for the local ice hockey team of Gothenburg, so frölunda and uh, i have this strong memory of like going on saturdays whenever when they would have one ticket over you know i could come with them watch the Frodo game, then go home, play computer games and listen through all his type of negative albums. And that was a routine a couple of times, you know, like, and uh, it's definitely became part of my DNA. Yeah. That was a big moment. Um, 
I think a lot of people realize that more after the fact, that was a big moment that they hadn't played it forever. And you got up mm. there and someone who was a fan who's now in a major band singing it. That was that was just an extraordinary moment. I, that was one of the things that was a highlight and for me as far as an avatar. Credit to Matt. Credit to Matt uh, from Pabio because he also a huge type of yeah. fan. Uh, was so he had practiced the bass line to such detail that on the recording, this tempo kind of when it, when they scale everything back after the crazy middle part, he kind of slows down a bit, and it's one of those mistakes mm -hmm. they end up keeping. And Matt played it the exact same way; it slowed down yeah. the exact same way <laughs> as on the album. Yeah, well, that bass line sets this. That's the whole. That's the song. Mm -hmm. Is that just kind of creepy little? It just kind of gives you the vibe. Yeah. But uh, Chad's really good with. Uh, he's got some questions about ship rock experience with you guys. You said something that was really um, uh, perfectly aligned with uh, how I've always felt about ship rock, and that was if I would have told myself this when I was younger. Um, mm -hmm. I remember the first time that Wilson did the ship, and when we pulled up to the port. Um, the overwhelming feeling for us at the time we were pretty much known by nobody we'd done like one one tour and we'd all come from bands who've done the touring thing before but by by no means anybody gave a shit right we the ship just took a a, a trip I, I took a a liking to us for some reason and mm -hmm. invited us onto the ship but i remember being overwhelmed and i'm trying to remember exactly where you guys might have been in your career i believe it was the was it the hail hail the apocalypse record cycle that you first did the ship must be yes yes so, so you had had actually toured in the states at that point um, yeah we were we were heading somewhere for sure um also we had the honor of being like the, the number one requested band for the first time i guess there was a voting thing on the homepage or something yeah at least maybe they told this to all bands i don't know i didn't know you were this, I, but no, well, you're, i think you're, we were right you're right yeah, yeah. I, I remember. I remember. I remember the the uh, the, the poll. But do, do you had you been uh, ever have you had you ever played a ship before at that yeah. point in time? Oh fuck! Yes, uh, totally just kicked me right out of the game right there. In this question. <laughs> no, we have. Uh, there's these cruise ships going. Well, regular. Um, yeah. There's regular ferry traffic between Stockholm and uh, you know yeah Sweden and Finland, and mm. uh, I think the first time was in 2008. The sadly now gone close up up magazine, a Swedish metal magazine that just disappeared last year or two years ago or so, uh, mm. after having around since '91. But we were on their cruise uh, with Municipal Waste, Danko Jones, uh, Soil Work that we already spoke about. Uh, must have been a bunch more, but yeah, debauchery, and also because the yeah. phone was we we played. We played day two, and it's just a two-day cruise. You know, you go, it it went to Finland and back. Uh -huh. So it was over the weekend kind of thing, 48 hours or so. And we played day two, and we didn't really care about that fact during day one. Yeah. So yeah, you can yeah, read, totally the, read the article because, of course, the magazine then did a big piece about the, their own cruise and, you know, just didn't notice. And the avatar guitar player is laying passed out on the stairs as I walk to my cabin at nine in the morning with some lady in his arms, <laughs> like yeah. the debauchery. And then we also switched radio station, did a uh, similar one. And I, I think there was, oh yeah, then there was one between Gothenburg and down to Denmark, even shorter. <laughs> and even more insane what you can squeeze in <laughs> that short of a time. I really can't 
say so it's there it's too much privacy <laughs> and that is me. oh my god <laughs> you have some memories right now <laughs> yes uh oh it's so, good and bad at the same time but yeah so and, would you take all of that debauchery and now you you've been through it and now you're going to the to do the ship the shiprock experience and there's five fucking days of this shit are you worried at this point when you're on the ship you're like oh i know what happens on the ships uh, with our band but we've only had to be be, we've only had to be here for two days and now we have to do it for five days are we going to die how did you feel about it when you were on the ship well I, I tried to remember like there must be the first year that we can it felt more vacation yeah, yeah, like a totally different approach but again it's a you know when you've done it a couple of t- like this was also an opportunity to remember these other cruises were in like Sweden and Finland and stuff in February and oh, this one was now in yeah also in February stuff but in going to mexico or to the bahamas so sitting very still and chilling and burning your place itself to a red crust of something that used to be a huge person you know that's kind of satisfies those needs but yeah i think there was some footage also me doing karaoke late 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 on one of those cruises but it all went really well except yeah I did. It was not that for me, at least, not that kind of debauchery. <laughs> the only thing that happened. Uh, this is harmless, but it was still funny once I realized that. So we were told that there is this band, like live band karaoke. So there's a yeah. band who plays the songs, but you choose from a listening group and sing it with them. Yeah. Cool. We got looking for them. They should be over there. Found them start asking them for request songs where this is where's your syphilis how does this work and stop won't stop burning this guy a couple of minutes in i realized this is not the karaoke band <laughs> this is just some people trying to band. Pay this like... yeah i should probably not stand here on stage next to this bass player asking for requesting judas priest songs is this on shiprock this is on shiprock yeah and he was so nice to me uh, I wonder what band it was. Were were they in the casino at the time? Yeah, exactly. The small oh, stage okay. casino and young. Huh. And he was just spoke with me like very. He was so nice and but nice as if he was speaking to a child as well. You know, yeah, I wasn't. Like, <laughs> I wasn't threatening or anything. You know, like there was nothing. Hey, it's just <laughs> yes. I was happy. I was there for the karaoke. But then we found the karaoke, <laughs> and uh, I got to do breaking the law. So it was so oh, nice. Good. Nice, nice. So it all turned up Millhouse, anyways. That's great. Yeah. Great to hear. <laughs> so when you guys got when you guys got to play for the first time on the the sh- the ship, did it feel like you were the number one most requested band on the show? I was in the I was in the room and it felt like that. But how did it feel? For, for I think it was a theater was your first show on. The yeah, first? I tried. To, I guess so, right? Because uh, yeah. um, as we did it twice, I'm trying to. I remember the room, and I remember like people like literally running in because there's no. I forgot who played right before the you stage guys. Then that you people could also stand real on the sides of the stage, right? Mm-hmm. So you felt a little bit like you're in a boxing. Yes, room, yes, 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 yes. That must have been the first yeah. one, yeah. Uh, yeah, but the thing is that we have ever since we start to play in front of more people than we were on stage, which was kind mm-hmm. of the magic. You know that magic number for us. You know, as long as there's six people there's watching, six, yeah. <laughs> the right. audience is is in majority. Mm-hmm. 
And as, uh, since those days, we always felt like the most requested band in of the night, you know, because that's the mindset you got to have, I guess. Or maybe you don't, but we did. Uh, so it's hard to compare. But yeah, we were told that. We are, we are like, again, I didn't fact check it. I chose to believe it. And then you feel a bit like the bee's knees. Um, mm-hmm. I just remember that because, you know, we do it. There's still some jet lag in jet lag in the head. Uh, there's had been a bit of a break since the last thing we did before that is you know day one of touring because then we did some Texas and stuff right after. So you know there's there's being in shape, but then there's being in ring shape, fighter shape. Somehow that doesn't matter how much cardio you do, you have to get your stage cardio going. So I remember it being like rough, and that probably also had something to do with being. Um, yeah, high on a whole lot of adrenaline there. Yeah, totally. The yeah. Uh, the, the other question that I guess I, I should ask, um, which I often do ask, is after you were the ship came back and we're back in port and you get off of it, there's a thing called sea legs. And uh, I'm assuming that you've done a few cruises before, but you haven't done them for five days in a row. Did you guys have to go directly uh, to onto a tour or something or did you go home or do you remember yeah, no, that we went moment? straight straight on a bus yeah but see like i love that field we um, now we i grew up by the coast and uh oh. always had this you know okay i'm gonna translate this but this old school wooden boat built in the 60s for you know that you use in in the archipelago and uh, it's called in swedish it's a sneak but because it's pointy in the back and in the front and did i just lose you guys did no no Oh, we got you. Are you Good. There? The picture. Uh, yeah, yeah. I'm here. I not hear you. Just the picture froze up. Oh, uh, sorry. I, I plugged in the charger and <laughs> it freaked out. Uh, but as long as you hear me, we're good. There we go. Uh, just bear with me for a moment. Oh, it's Justin. Are you there? I'm here. This image is amazing. I don't know if you can hear us, but like, I got to take a screenshot of it. It is too freaking. This is fantastic. (laughs) Hold on. This is too much. If we we were to caption this right now, we'd be like, I'm so fucking done with this interview. Yeah. (laughs) I just got it. I'll send it to you. All right, I think that his fault, his computer died. So maybe yeah, we should yeah. just like really let the let, hey, if if the podcast is still rolling at this yeah, point in time, yeah, John, let's thanks just, for coming on. Okay, so what we'll do, let's just do this, guys. Let's continue to talk about uh, the band, uh, guys. We had some technical difficulties with uh, with Jonas from Avatar. Hopefully, we'll get him back here. If not, it's been an, a really interesting hour with him. Um, and if you guys are paying attention, you're a fan, make sure and check out the Avatar Ages Impossible Concert Experience. They still got two more shows starting on Saturday. Um, you can go to uh, avatarages.com to pick up tickets for that. Shiprock 2022 is happening January uh, 2022. Cabin's still available, so go to shiprock.com. You can also look at uh, some of our forums on Facebook. Uh, we have cabin searches that you can get with other people who are wanting to go on who are trying to make new friends that might be a way to go on as well thank you again guys for joining uh making ways the ship rock podcast we are part of the sound talent media group we also want to thank our team and that includes our executive producer al mcmanus there he goes Woo! Woo! <laughs>
He's showing Woo! us. Yeah. Oh, he just sort of says go Buffalo. Go, hey, everyone, everyone, uh, go Buffalo this weekend for Al. Has that ever occurred to you? Has it? Also want to thank our uh, producer, uh, Jen Zito, who's on the road right now. Our coordinator, Heather Smith, and of course, the captain, Alan Koenig. I guess my computer hey. installed. Sorry, we're just starting to take our clothes off. <laughs> all good. Here now. All good. My uh, computer we did, some up, it did some updating thing or something. Yeah, we all went for a quick spritz. <laughs> the good thing is, is we only have to do this last segment now. And then uh, yeah, we, we filled we in a the, bunch of stuff. The, Listen, we do a thing here called Walk the Plank. Which is we ask three questions, one from Chad, one from myself, and then one that is a fan question. And it's a random question. It has really nothing to do pertaining to music or anything of that sort. So we'll we'll throw those at you and you give your you give your best answer. Mm-hmm. All right. So Chad, you want to go first, my friend? Yeah. Um, how do you find how do you define integrity? Uh Oh, wow, I should have a better answer for this because it has become very, it has become such an important word. <laughs> uh, Do, is there somebody in your life that you can, that you immediately, when you hear the word integrity that you immediately um, think of? Yeah, my wife. Uh, okay. hundred percent. And uh, so, and I feel like she sets an example for me and I've learned a lot of about integrity from her. And I guess I would put it something along the line of feeling like knowing where I've got myself and refusing to kind of, I guess, and therefore knowing where my line is and not letting anyone pass that line. And also not feeling like knowing where I got myself and therefore knowing where I'm not willing to go, you know, like, I guess that's knowing where I stand and, standing by that i find it to be very uh refreshing and, and also beautiful that you uh have such a shining example of that in your life so i don't know your wife but that was a very cool uh, answer so thank you for that man oh, yeah. so jonas what temptation do you try your hardest to resist <sighs> i quit all nicotine and uh, kicked that habit. i've kicked so many habits um <laughs> this year in lockdown i guess it has uh, been uh, it's it's been a great year in terms of uh, for me putting having time to try to really nurture healthy habits you know like we all like this is the year where everyone either lost or gained 20 pounds kind of thing and in that i, I try to uh, <laughs> have certain eating habits right now that it goes against everything my instinct tells me to do because I like to indulge and everything else I've been kind of good control over. So dessert, late night dessert food, I guess it's right now. So sweets. Yeah. Well, no, well, actually, no, I should, I don't sweet stuff. I can stay away from way easier than it's the fatty, salty stuff. It's the snacks. It's the, it's uh, cookies the, and stuff. Not really more something deep fried. Uh, oh, you know, okay. Or the potato the chips. Deep fried cookie. Yeah, chips. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah <laughs> chip, no, no, chips and fries and uh, and and, and yeah. something breaded like you know chili cheese balls or whatever. 
Yeah. That's just really good. I'm really hungry right now. So uh, uh-huh. thank you for the bad <laughs> influence there. Yeah, I'm not allowing uh, you myself to... to eat anymore. So this is pure for me, mind training for the next until tomorrow morning. I can see you. I can see your 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 gears turning. Me like, oh my god, I'm gonna eat some fucking French yeah, fries. <laughs> which makes it lots easy, way easier to get up in the morning. That you look forward to that. You know, the last thing uh, I had now was my kale, ginger, protein powder, banana, and lime juice smoothie. Just those five ingredients and a ton of water. It works. That sounds good. Well, yeah, everything. Really, the ginger's a little interesting <laughs> mixed in there with the powder, but yeah, I get it. No, the, because the protein powder, I use rice protein powder that tastes like nothing or mm-hmm. as little as possible. Gotcha. And then, so then, you know, then kale plus lime plus uh, ginger, that's kind of Asia. Mm-hmm. And now all this very refreshing, you know, as I do it with water, you know. Yeah. Yeah, yeah there you go. Smashing. Uh, do you, J- Justin, do you want me to uh, take this the, the fan question or you got it? Uh, you go ahead and take it. Okay. So it, it's pretty simple, but it's uh, I think it'll have a could have a really cool answer. I if always give long answers. <laughs> <laughs> do you if you owned a boat, yeah. what would you name it? That boat I mentioned before that her name was Maria. So it's part like that would maybe to some kind of play on word or just, uh, you know, like have that be the grandchild of the boat of my childhood, you know, it was got sold when I was, sold it when I was maybe 16, 17, 18. At around those years, uh, a cabin was bought that took all the time instead, you know, because these old wooden things, they need extra care and love in the off season, you know. Uh, So, you know, so something, related to the or my my old friend maria hmm uh do you do you think that um you is the are you referring to the cabin when you say the cabin are you referring to like a sauna are we talking about another no sauna? no like no like a summer house family uh like my family vacation house i don't vacation house sounds so big <laughs> and expensive I imagine it just being another sauna because of the sauna. No, but actually I I was taking selfies, selfies of myself standing in the snow, uh, sending to my family and telling them that the family vacation house does need a sauna built. (laughs) That's awesome. So you would be the christening of the Maria. Okay. Yeah. Very good. Well, Jonas, I know we had a little bit of technical difficulty there, but thank you so much for rejoining us and, and doing this incredible hour with us. And we're, we're really privileged that you, you joined us tonight. Um, again, p- folks, if you want to catch uh, the Avatar Impossible Concert experience, you can go to avatarages.com and pick up tickets for the remaining two shows uh, yeah, beginning two this shows Saturday. Yeah, this Saturday will be uh, will be Madness, and next week will be the final one, which will be Memories. And make sure and pick up their, their latest album, Hunter Gatherer. And um, memories, I, must, I really want to say this, memories, which will be the last show to conclude all of this, will be the first unmasked Avatar show in uh, almost a decade. Wow. Due to us going, because that's the one where we go back to the three earliest albums. And okay. speaking of, you know, how ship rock people voted us at some point for the most requested band, the yeah. people get to vote on this, these different set lists based on their respective eras. And with the three first albums, overwhelmingly, the, all the songs from our third album were voted really high. And it's also, we're going to play our third album in its entirety 
you know, for the first time ever, obviously, you know, the circuit's a special treatment that we just gave to a hunter-gatherer on this stream otherwise. And yeah, unmasked, it's, it's going to be incredibly special. Wow, that's good. That's, that, I had no clue. That's awesome. One other thing coming up, and I hope it's still in the books for you guys, and it's another one of those pinch me moments. I assume you guys are still going to go out with Iron Maiden. If the show happens, we will gladly show up for that show. <laughs> I imagine uh, you would. <laughs> if we can travel, and if people will be let into that arena, yes, it's uh, okay. It's it's, but uh, you know, it's uh, that that was the first band that we, as a band, traveled to see together. We all went to yeah. Stockholm and you know got a hostel and and did all that together as friends is way 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 back when and uh, it can't be overstated what that band means to us as to anyone else who is into metal and in a metal band on so many levels i don't think it will be the most fun i ever had on a stage because there is that when you're the opening band you have to treat it you have to be a little bit competitive about it you know you have to gonna we're gonna destroy them you know you have to find a weakness in a headliner no matter who it is but it's Iron Fucking Maiden. So yeah. <laughs> they are just too old, too legendary, but they're still too good at, all at the same time. The legacy and the here and now with them, you know, we puts us all to shame. And then the love and passion that we, the fans, have for them. And I remember how we treated the opening band, their opening band that time when we went to Stockholm to see them, <laughs> turning our backs, middle fingers up. Uh, I'm ready for that challenge and I'm going to enjoy every moment of it. And I just know that I will get nothing for free that day. Yeah. They, uh, I saw them two years ago and they're, they just found a third gear. They're, they're kind of back on top and that man, mm. their whole team is top notch. So that's going to be a great yeah. tour if you, if that does happen for you guys. So good yeah, luck sure with that. So. Ju and Justin saw the, your shit on the floor and he said, let me just go ahead and rub your nose in. in no, no, but it's, no, the, I'm just saying, not, man. Not, but it's, uh, that's, it's that's a very, okay. just a very objective truth. It is. Yeah. yeah. I'm okay with feeling like this, yeah. you know, but I just know what it's going to be like. And that's, that's cool. And I will be very happy about it. And I, I very much look forward to one week after look at the pictures and go, wait a minute, I was there. <laughs> yeah, that's me. Yeah, that's exactly. awesome. Well, I'm I look forward to seeing those pictures too, man. I think it's a, a really a really really monumentally cool thing for for your career. And you it know, really congratulations is. on everything and congratulations on an Thank incredibly you. great stream. Hey, I, I had, had a quick question. question. I, I, I have to know, and you may not even remember this, Johannes. Who was the band that you turned around and turned your back to that was opening for Maiden? Do you remember? I don't know if I want to put that on the record. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. Uh, I don't talk. I really make an effort not talking down to other bands. Uh, Can I ask what tour it was, and that way we all kind of no, see? No, see, we, Justin will be able to figure that out. <laughs> yeah. That's what, 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 what room did they play? What year? <laughs> <laughs> I gave you this. I gave you the city, and I said I was a teenager. So oh, yeah, I, you should yeah. reduce. Well, it's that so thing you got, when you're a teenager, though, right? It's that thing that you don't really appreciate just yet. You know, when I was a teenager playing music, Chad, you too, and, and Johannes, you mentioned how competitive your drummer was, and I've just been hmm. peeking in and out of this conversation. You know, when you're younger, it is a, it's way more of a competition until you start to mature and realize that it's, there really is no competition in art, in an art. And form. at the same time, in a way, it, you have to kind of make up your competition still. Like you need to find different things that drives you. I've been thinking a lot about recently how, yeah, you, when you're a kid and whatever you get into, let's say it's music, that means that the first time you will 
sit down and choose to hear what some grown-ups have to say about something is our musicians, you know? Mm-hmm. So you will get a lot of your politics or life views from these bands that you are into. Uh, and, but, but ultimately, I, once you get older, I guess your sources of how you shape your ideology and your interest comes from more places and not just what Ozzy Osbourne thinks about something, you know, <laughs> yeah. with, with all due respect, of course. But it starts to be, you know, you start to get nuances and things get more complex. But there's something to be said that, and that happens to you with how you listen to music as well. Because for a while there is like metal or death kind of attitude to it all. But maybe then, then you then you lose your virginity to a girl who's into jazz and something happens and, and you learn something about yourself and about music and you like different things suddenly. But at, while creating, I realized that in a way I cannot shape an ideology for myself for the time being. That there that has to be certain ideals at that time in order to make to create something that makes sense. Which again, like Hunter Gatherer was all about, not all about, but a lot of it was about embracing the aggression and exploring the darkness again. As Avatar Country was kind of dedicate ourselves to the to the gag really. And then it has to fit within that framework at that particular time. Then it's not to be all, all end all in life at large, but while working on something creative, it's good to say, I'm gonna show all those fuckers, you know, and I'm gonna destroy yeah. the world. And yes, like- <laughs> you, can, you can be both though, right? You can be super yeah. competitive and super appreciative at the same time. Yes, absolutely. But one thing, so one thing that, uh, uh, a vision that came to me <laughs> at some point, when we were uh, working on Hunter Gatherer was that feeling. I saw us running across the plains over the mountains together as a band with a bucket of water. We reached the coastlines, like the cliffs of Dover of England, so, you know, very steep down, and there's the ocean. We threw the bucket of water into the ocean and we yelled, you're welcome. And that's what it's like to release an album. Wow. Like, that, was you know, an, that was an actual vision that you had? Yeah. Wow. <laughs> and, but you know, like a lot of peyote. Have you ever gone? Have you ever gone on Spotify and said, you know what, this software needs more tracks? You know, like it's. Yeah. <laughs> it's not. There's not enough tracks on Spotify. As if there's not enough. Yeah. So, and that's the truth. But it can't be the truth of, of, that you live with at the time of creating. You have to think. You have to have, you know, like a bit of delusion of grandeur, grandeur, because then <laughs> otherwise you will never, because then out in the world, you need to at least have some delusion of being adequate. Right. Uh, so at the time of writing the music, it has to be the most important thing to even have the teeny tiniest chance to create a little crease of, is that what it's called? You know, that just, that it's foams a bit on the surface of those waves and that vast ocean of, music yeah well i think maybe that's a great end, way to put that by the way you know, uh, so I love, maybe I love the that end idea. of that vision is that you follow the water the bucket of water into the sea and you determine that you are the sea yes yeah. finding you know, nemo style yeah. you know <laughs> <laughs> finding nemo. 
So did uh, you, I didn't know that your wife was into jazz music. That's interesting. No, 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 she wasn't. That was hypothetical for one of oh, you guys. Darn it. <laughs> darn it. I thought that was, I thought that's where the integrity came from was her love of jazz. And you, no, no, no. I also said, I also, uh, no. And this, what I said is that you might have lost your virginity to no, someone I, who was yeah. into jazz music. Yeah. <laughs> I got you. And, and that's, where, that's where I, that's where and I, yeah. I met my wife when I was already in my twenties and I had a happy, Child. Happy teenage years, right? <laughs> so, it's a beautiful. Uh, um, yeah. So, but no, but uh, no, no. She's she's more a prog head, and, you know, death metal, black metal, thrash metal, prog progressive well, music. Yeah. Jonas, thanks again, buddy. Uh, best of luck with everything going forward. Uh, these next two episodes of the of the concert should be great. And uh, from what I've seen on the Facebook pages, the people who have bought into it are just loving the hell out of it. So, you know, much success. Mm -hmm. There's lots of it love looks amazing. It sounds right amazing. We're, yeah. We're really yeah. Cool. So thank you again. And uh, hopefully we will cross paths again here real soon. Absolutely. So, you know, wash your hands. Don't let strangers spit in your mouths. If, if anyone, you know, stay within your bubble and spit in each other's mouths and uh, but <laughs> keep it contained for, for, for the time being until you're vaccinated. And there you go. I look forward to hit the road again. Oh, Be safe, you right. guys. Yeah. Thank you. Dad, Dick. See you soon. You. <laughs> bye bye. <laughs>